we say we, we're going to fight every day, we're going to finish every day, and we're going to we're going to have faith every day, and we're going to fight a good fight. And then, you know, we're going to finish everything we do. That's a mindset we have. And then the biggest thing, too, is keeping faith. You know, keeping faith in ourselves, keeping faith in our system, keeping faith in each other and our teammates and our coaches. And uh, I look back on that those first recruiting classes that we had. You know, we had our first big leaguer, Jonathan Davis, getting the big league this year. He had no other offers. Our number one rule for recruiting players and, and I learned this the hard way. We have to answer this question. Do we want to wake up every day and coach this young man? And if I don't care how talented they are, if we think, no, I don't, I don't know if I'd want to do that, then we're going to move on because there may be a better fit for him. Fellas, fellas, fellas. Welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we're here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. We'd like to welcome back our veteran listeners. We're happy to grow with you again. We'd also like to welcome our first-time listeners, the Rookies. Don't worry, every vet was once a rookie. This podcast is brought to you by our partners over at Rapsodo. Measure to master. Rapsodo brings powerful insights into every pitch. They help players and coaches improve their performance through real data. On this episode, we sit down with Alan Gum, head coach at Central Arkansas. Pull up a seat, grab your notepad. Here's Coach Gum. Welcome back to the Farm System. We're here with Alan Gum, head coach at Central Arkansas. Coach, we appreciate you taking some time out of your day to sit down and chat with us here at the Farm System. Oh, thank you guys. I, I look forward to it and I appreciate all you guys, what you guys do. Well, Coach, you know, a big part of uh, we wanted to have you on. I mean, um, back when I played at uh, Pine Bluff, we also played uh, you guys a couple times out that way. And I know there's a lot of great talent um, down there. And, you know, one thing we always like to do, uh, you know, I was talking to, uh, you know, our coach just a couple few weeks ago, and I said, you know, if we can get um, some light down there in the in the South, that's some great, you know, there's some great talent out there, and there's a lot of uh, minds I'd like to pick out. So I appreciate you jumping on with us. Oh, no, I, I look forward to it and look forward to representing uh, Central Arkansas. And and uh, just love, I love talking baseball. So I appreciate you guys allowing me uh, to be on your podcast. Absolutely. We're uh, glad to have you on. And to kind of get the show kicked off here, Coach, can you give our listeners a little background of yourself by taking them through your journey to get to this point in your baseball career? Okay. I mean, it's, uh, it's a little bit unconventional. It's not a typical way uh, how I got to – and just very blessed to be a Division One baseball coach. But started out at, at Southern Arkansas University, and when I graduated from there, I played there. Uh, I, I looked for a coaching job, couldn't find one. So my first job out of college, I was working for Tyson Foods and I was working on the Wendy's chicken line <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I was, I was miserable. And, uh, so I was just, I, I had, I, I, I was married, just got married. We married on love. So, but I had to have a job and miserable and I'm just fortunate that a great, my, my in-laws, my wife's family, uh, allowed me allowed us we came back to southern arkansas and i became a volunteer coach for coach goodhart finished up started working on my masters and uh, allowed me to get back into coaching i was miserable like i said doing the doing the other thing i was just looking for a paycheck we came back and then after one year there uh, i got a call from uh, sheridan high school mike moore and i want to know if i wanted a job and and uh i did i needed a job and a coaching job and and uh, I, I appreciate him coach moore and i always tell guys always remember and thank the people that gave you opportunity your first opportunity but i uh, walked in the door and he asked me if i wanted a job and i said I, I, yes sir and and from there um i just thought i was going to coach high school baseball the rest of my life and would have been very content i just love coaching baseball i enjoyed my time so much at sheridan and uh coach moore's done just a tremendous job at sheridan state championships and and uh but i got that itch to be a head coach and a baseball coach. And uh, so I went to Batesville, Arkansas, 
I was a pioneer there for three years, head baseball coach, uh, loved it there. We had just tremendous players and did really, really well. And I thought the same thing. I thought in the same instance, I may be here for uh, coaching high school baseball and baseball for the rest of my life. And then life circumstances happened. And uh, my wife's mother got ill. And uh, there's different things also I was looking at. And and, uh, so we, and a friend of mine, Steve Goodhart was the head coach at Southern Arkansas University. And he retired. And and the coach Mike Godfrey got the job uh, after him who coached when I played there. And he called me and wanted to know if I wanted to come be assistant back at Southern Arkansas. And that was the opportunity. It was only about 40 minutes from my wife's uh, family, her mother, which was uh, uh, was real big. So we went down there, and I was assistant there for two years. I was actually assistant coach, and I was assistant coach, and I was also part-time. I worked in the admissions office, and that's kind of what you do at small colleges sometimes. And and uh, it was a blessing. I know how it was turning because uh, we got to – my wife got to spend a lot uh, – time with her mother and her last days and I look back on that how important that was and, and even though um left a head coaching job to go back to assistant it was at college and and under and I appreciate the opportunity Mike Godfrey gave me it was just tremendous and got to get on the college field and as a as an assistant coach and I was a volunteer and and got there and worked part-time admissions and then coach Godfrey resigned after two years so I thought I've got to find another job. And uh, Coach Browning was there also, Steve Browning, who's now the athletic director at Southern Arkansas. So we're looking for another job. And uh, then Coach Adcox, the head or the athletic director at Southern Arkansas, come up and said, hey, I've watched her for two years. You've worked hard. Do you want the job? And, man, I was ecstatic. And Coach Browning stayed on with me. And then we brought on Coach Pettigrew, who's the head coach there now. And we just had a tremendous run for five years there. And I was very blessed to have – Coach Brown and Coach Pettigrew right there with me for all five years. And that was tremendous. We had a good run. And then from there, um, Dr. T from uh, University of Central Arkansas gave me a call and wanted to know if I wanted this job. And it was in Central Arkansas. And uh, it was a, it was a opportunity. And as far as stuff goes like that, but it's just kind of how things worked out. It's just by design. I, I never pushed myself into those positions or try to get myself into those positions is just the way life circumstances and how it worked out. And, uh, I just remember, I, I, I just thought it'd be a high school coach. I was a high school coach for nine years. I just thought that's what it'd be the rest of my life. And next thing you know, things just happened and, and ended up since Arkansas and, and it's just been a blessing. There's no question about that, but I've seen God's hand work and, you know, you see it afterwards sometimes and see how it worked out and different things like that. So that's kind of my story. And uh, very blessed to be here, and and uh, but it's been a it's been an interesting journey at times for sure. Yeah, that's always interesting uh, when you look back and you kind of see the path that he took you. And you know, when you look at uh, Central Arkansas and you look at kind of you know all these other places that you've been in the nation and, and these coaches that you know across the nation, what do you think sets uh, Central Arkansas apart from the rest of these schools? Being really just set apart, I mean, it's I mean, it's pretty tough in the sense that I mean how we do things, how we go about our business is, uh, we do it our way. I'll promise you that. And we kind of look at that and, and we're tough and, you know, we're gritty, but there's a lot of programs like that. So it's really hard to set yourself apart, but you know, it just starts with man, our coaching staff and how we do things. I mean, we get, we're on the field as much as possible. Uh, very, while we're in the fall, we don't, our coaches don't miss practice, uh, to go recruit or anything like that. And, I think one thing that sets us apart with our players is the fact, and we've had players say that may have been at another Division One program at different times, and and uh, they're just amazed at how we're there every day. And I think that sets us apart. We're not we're not on the road, like I said, our assistant coaches. If and I say if we've missed if they've missed a practice, it's been one or two, and that's it in the fall to go see somebody else. So we're engaged. We just believe the fact that you know. This is our team for this year, and we're going to pour as much into them as we possibly can for this for that year. And just uh, we're a substance program, and I, there's a lot of those. When you start talking about the Southland Conference, uh, there's a lot of teams that are, uh, in the conference that are just real substance driven, and uh, so just blue collar work. 
we you know we we don't have the facilities a lot of teams have or different things like that so i just think it's our desire and our work ethic and and like i said the uh just kind of the blue collar which a lot of programs are so it is hard to set yourself apart on that but i think one area with our players is we're on the field with them every single day and if they want extra work we're going to be there for them yeah man love that and that all starts with the foundation you touched on there and I want you to open that up a little bit. Um, it's just kind of a two-part question, but from when you took over till now, how have you and your staff uh, worked to create that culture? And then what type of player do you look um, to recruit to fit that culture? Okay, that's a great question. Uh, well, when I when I got the job here, it was, it was tough. I, I always kid if I'd known how bad it, certain things were, I'm, I may not have taken the job. And uh, so setting that culture early was, I mean, it was just uh, – and in the recruiting side on it at the beginning, trying to find the right players that fit. And we just took off and just went to work. And what one thing we do is we develop tremendously, finding players and trying to develop them man, as, as much as we possibly can. But setting the culture is huge. And uh, it's basically our foundational principles, what we call, we call them our 50 gut principles. And that's kind of where things start with. And uh, 50 gut, if you, you can read the, uh, what the Washington Redskins did in 1982 to the Dallas Cowboys. And it's really, I just picked it up from football. It's just what we, who we are and what we do and what we do, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be as uh, best as we possibly can at what we do. And we got to define those things and kind of set the culture. And then we, we go on three things that kind of sets the culture. We want guys that we say we, we're going to fight every day. We're going to finish every day. And we're going to, we're going to have faith every day. And we're going to fight a good fight. So we just set through our culture defining what a good fight is. And then, you know, we're going to finish everything we do. That's a mindset we have, whether it's every rep in the weight room, whether it's every ground ball, we want to finish and finish well. And then the biggest thing, too, is keeping faith, you know, keeping faith in ourselves, keeping faith in our system, keeping faith in each other and our teammates and our coaches. And uh, those are things that the cultures, it's – and when I got here, what I, what I realized, it's easier to start than it is to maintain. <laughs> and uh, there wasn't a whole lot of culture here. And I'd never experienced that before. When I was at Southern Arkansas, because of Coach Goodhart, there's tremendous culture there. But we were able to get it going, like I said, within three years, we were 25th in the nation, and, and like I said, three games from Omaha. And, and that's and just defining that culture and, and just trying to, to get everybody – simple thing, you know, like everybody talks about, it's a cliche, but just everybody's – got to get in the boat and row and finding and in the second part of that question the right kind of players find it that's the that's the most critical part there's there's no question is recruiting not just talent but the right kind of players and my first three years we were finding tough hard-nosed players and matter of fact we were finding a lot of desperate players that no one else wanted i mean that's the only ones we could get all the other division one programs have passed them up and we just looked for that grit and that fire in them and uh, the guys that just hated losing, wanted to win. But, but on the other side, too, they value the education. It wasn't that they were just coming here. And so we looked for those guys, and, and, uh, and we found a lot of second-chance guys and different things like that. We're just looking, and it, it paid off well for us. And looking for those type of guys, and you got to be tough to play here, and you can't be a style-oriented type player. It's got to be a substance-type player. And uh, I look back on that, those first recruiting classes that we had, you know, we had our first big leaguer, Jonathan Davis, get in the big leagues this year. He had no other offers. Uh, matter of fact, the only offer he had was I offered him when I was at Southern Arkansas, and he came with me when I got the job here. And then Forrest all day, very little offers when he was in AAA. So we found the right guys and just finding the right type of people that fit our culture and and, um, and uh, who we're looking for, even though – and I look back on the last year's draft that we had, we got – uh, two of the three guys, the only offer they had was uh, a was an was a Division two offer, which are good offers, and they're just good ball players. So we're we're not we're not sometimes in the recruiting part of it. We're not fighting against other teams in the Southland or other Division one schools. Sometimes we're getting kids that no one else offers, and it's guys looking for the right people. And Coach Harlan, Coach Cunningham's doing a great job on that. Now, when Coach Black, he's with the Toronto Blue Jays now. And Wes Johnson started here. We're looking for certain players. And then uh, Coach Black did a tremendous job finding those right players. And then after we finished 25th in the nation, we got uh, we started getting some more talent. And, and looking at those guys, 
and we weren't looking so much at the person and the type of person that fits our program. They just saw that we went, you know, some of those players, we finished 25th in the nation. We're three games from Omaha. It was a great deal. And uh, we ended up getting kids, not that they were bad kids, they just didn't fit our program. And we went two or three years there where we did well, but it wasn't the guy. There were some guys that our number one rule for recruiting players, and, and I learned this the hard way, is is we have we have got to wake up every day after we meet them and we vet them, we talk to the coaches, and they come on campus and we see them. Is we want we have to answer this question: Do we want to wake up every day and coach coach this young man? And if we, I don't care how talented they are, if the answer, if one, if we think no, I don't, I don't know if I'd want to do that, then we're going to move on because there may be a better fit for him. Also down there, you know what I'm saying? So we're looking for kids mm-hmm. that I want to wake up every day and I want to, like, if I know if I want to get up every day and coach uh, that kid, man, I know we're going to pour into him a lot better. They're going to pour into us a lot better. And we've really kind of had to reset that the last couple of years. And, man, I, there's a couple of years after, you know, because you put pressure on yourself and different things like that. Uh, after we, we did so well and we just got away from who we were and what we are doing, I mean, we started losing a lot of – like they were here for a year and gone. And I don't want to be defined as that type of program. And I want kids when they finish here and players when they finish here and uh, when when they finish here, they enjoyed their time and um, we had an impact on them. And that's what we're looking for. I, I know that's kind of long-winded, but that was, that was a good question. <laughs> So. <laughs> no, really, yeah, yeah, that was a really good answer. And you know, you kind of you kind of walked in, and something you really hinted on there was your guys's. You know, when you recruit these players, you're looking at guys that you can really develop, um, and that's kind of like the uh, type of style that you guys have. So when you guys really look at you know your program, you look about how you approach player development. How would you define that, and what do you think that process uh, would look like? Well, we attack uh, player development. Of course, you know we're we're not signing a bunch of guys that are draft picks. So there's going to be a lot of development taking place. And uh, we know that. And that's why we got to find the right people uh, because it's hard. And, and then, you know, when we get back to that question of what sets us apart, uh, it's hard. And I, I, I let people know it's going to be hard here, but it's kind of like uh, getting them to go into it. But we, there's four principles. And I've used this. I use this ever since I was at, at Southern Arkansas uh, University. Also when I started there is, and I, I call it making straight A's. And the first building block for our developmental part of it is we have to develop the athleticism in the players. And so we're looking at uh, four parts of that, actually. And I, I, I can't even remember where I got this, but it, like I said, I don't, I steal a lot of stuff from a lot of coaches and hear the podcast and steal a lot. But we go about there's, you know, there's absolute strength. And I think this came from Cressy, is who, or uh, I think that's right, Cressy. But there's absolute strength, there's strength speed, there's speed strength, and there's absolute speed. And we're going to hit all four components on those things. And we're going to hit them hard. So our weightlifting, weight training, you know, in the weight room, you know, a lot of our strength coach is great, Coach Fodio, but a lot of guys are getting that and a lot of guys absolute speed. They're playing. It's those two in the middle that I really felt like has separated us. That's reached players to a different level in their athleticism and allowed some guys that never even had a thought they might get drafted, end up getting drafted and playing baseball for a long time. But we build that athleticism, that block. And so you come to one of our practices, you're going to see some things that, I mean, you're going to see bands on guys. You're going to see, you're going to see some things, the, uh, the water bags, whether taking ground balls, because we're still building that athleticism, not just in the weight room, but as they're taking ground balls and different things like that. And we, I mean, I could go on to that for a long time. I know we don't have enough time for that, but we're going to build that athleticism first and that building block. And then the next part of it is we got to get into our approach. We got to develop what is our approach and what's our approach at the plate, whether it's be our approach and how we clean our locker room, our approach to the day. And we're just going through all the routines and approaches and the, and what, who we are. And that's what I call, like I said, that 50 gut and define that, not just talk about it, but define that and uh, what type of team we're going to be. We develop that approach in every part of it is what we're doing, so we're going to build that athleticism. Because bottom line, if we don't have athletes on the field and good athletes, the other stuff, they matter in a sense, but they're not going to uh, – I learned this. And you can win with talent, but you can lose uh, – you, can, you can't win without talent. 
in athleticism is what I found. But you can lose with it. And so I think if we've got some better athletes on the field and we've got a good approach, and that's the second building block, and then we go to awareness. Just being game awareness of what's going on in the game and how the pitcher's throwing, what the score is, and we just – all those different things. So we're building that. And then the last part of it is what I call atmosphere. And some people may call it attitude, but there's just four A's right there. And I said we've got to make straight A's in these four categories. And the last part of the, the atmosphere is, you know, we got to have guys that give tremendous amount of energy. And their atmosphere is just tremendous around them, and that builds to the next guy and the next guy. And like I said, there's a lot of good players out there, and we need the guys that are good players that make other players around them better. And there's not, there's not a better joy to see that out there on the field when there's a good player, but he's making the guys around him a lot better. And that could be from a guy that's not starting or a guy that starts every day. So those four things, as far as our developmental, we're going to develop the athlete, the athleticism. We're going to develop their approach on and off the field. We're going to develop their awareness. And we're going to develop their – and we're going to help develop their atmosphere. And what does that mean? And give examples. And we spent – that's a lot of time. And it's one of those things that doesn't go, happen overnight. and It doesn't happen in a semester. You know, it's one of those things that takes time to develop all of those things right there. And we get up and wake up every day, and those are the four things we hit. And like I said, we tell, you know, you gotta, we got to make straight A's in those four things. And that's athleticism, approach, awareness, and atmosphere. Yeah, man, that's good. I think I'm going to have to steal those four blocks from you. Um, yeah. uh, player development, like you mentioned, it's kind of a continued process pieced together through what you guys do um, as far as daily work. Uh, can you give us some insight into what a day of practice looks like for you guys? And what's something that you guys do a little different that sets you apart? Well, you know, uh, daily practice, like I said, we usually we're in the weight room early in the morning and that's kind of where everything kicks off. And, uh, we like starting early, you know, uh, and then getting, getting up, if we can get up earlier than everybody else, you know, I mean, our guys sometimes doesn't feel good that our guys, after they get done with it, they feel good about themselves. And so we get up early weight training and doing different things like that. Athletic athleticism. And then we do, we come in and a typical day though is, you know, we'll have early work and guys that are, you know, they're wanting early work and we'll start off with that. And then what kind of separates probably our practices. I was a football, I was a defense coordinator for when I was coaching high school baseball. I love football as much as I did, at least coaching as baseball. And uh, so a lot of these principles with our practices sometimes come out and they look like a football practice. I mean, with the, the intensity and the the speed of it and the transition part of it. Football coaches do a tremendous job, and I've been blessed to be a part of some programs with transition and how fast the pace was. It was just, you know, you have a two-hour practice, and it feels like 30 minutes. And so, But we'll start off. We'll do early work. Our guys, if, if, if they want us to throw to them, do whatever, ground balls, guys are coming out there, we'll get that started. But once practice starts, then okay, we get some active stretching going and we do that. But we try to, we got a thing we say, we don't, our warm up is part of our practice. So our active stretching may be us throwing a ball and doing some agility drills with the ball coming at them instead of just spending 20 minutes doing active stretching and doing stuff like that. Does that make sense on that? We, we may yeah. incorporate a ball while they're doing their active stretching and stuff like that. But once we get into it, First thing we're going to hit is base running, and uh, we have a ba- base running system that I've I learned from my 16 year old American Legion coach, and uh, we go through through our base running progressions, and then we go into short game, and it's fast and I, it's happening really quick. And by the time they get done with that, they're lathered up. But then we get into the part two is like I said, we may be starting off taking ground balls with with the uh, you know the water bags with bands with the different things like that, the outfielders. We're, we're doing different things with them, really just building off that athleticism as far as instead of just, just going out there, we're going to implement different things like that. But we're going to get it going with base running and the little details of that. And then we're going to also, like I said, we're going to build some speed strength and some strength speed. Then our practices, they're going to, it's going to happen fast once we get into the team setting. So it's a lot like a football practice. You have your individual period, you have your group work, and then you have your team work. And that's kind of if you look at football practice and then it's on time. So if we're working a team drill and let's say, you know, we've set five minutes apart for this drill, whether it be, let's say, overcalls, 
we're hitting those overcalls, but as soon as that's up, we're rolling into the next thing immediately. And so the, we, we don't want to lose any time on the transition, and we want things to happen fast. Now, if we didn't do well on it, we'll just put some more time in it the next day. But we're not going to slow our practice down. Okay, that was terrible. Write it down. Let's put more time into it tomorrow. But today, we got rundowns right now. Let's go. So we may go. So we're going to, our practice is going to build like that. I think that's what separates us is things are happening really fast in our practices. And the slowest thing we have, and it's not even, we've incorporated where we're not even uh, as batting practices where that really turned into more of a defensive practice and our guys are getting after it. And during that time, if you saw one of our practices, uh, I don't know how to explain it, except you may see our outfielders, what we call them punch belts, and where it's got it's got uh, underload, overload as they're running. You know, so you're going to see those in the outfield with them. You're going to see bands on our infielders, and it's and then we'll go that. And then once we get to the towards the end of it, then we're going to break some things down as far as get the bands off. Let's work a normal baseball type setting and uh, kind of go from there. But I, I really do. I, I love the way we practice. I, I wouldn't be able to practice as kind of a slow practice. There's no way. I, I, my mind's not built that way. I was a defensive coordinator. I've got that football in me where I want things to happen fast. I want them to be aggressive. And I've always said if I feel like sometimes we're running the bases and we're doing certain drills, and when I'm feeling like I'm in a football practice instead of a baseball practice in a sense, I'm feeling pretty good about it. And I don't know if that makes sense. So we try to get our guys to – and so when the game gets there, it feels slow to them and kind of go from there. So we work hard at that. And, and basically when we're coaching, we are, there's no clipboard. We don't have time for a clipboard. It, we are coaching on the run is what we're doing. And that's what I want our coaches to do. I want our coaches coaching on the run and moving and uh, just like our players are, not just sitting in one spot with a clipboard. Not saying that's – that's a, a negative thing or anything like that. There's a lot of, as far as that goes, it's just the way we operate. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, you definitely love the ideas with the water bag and stuff like that. That's something that uh, we utilize over at 108 as well. Um, when you guys look at, you know, obviously a big part of the game right now is transitioning to the use of a lot of technology. Uh, what are some ways that Central Arkansas uh, utilizes technology? Okay. Uh, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, I look at a lot of different things like that. I'm kind of right in the middle. I'm 50 years old, so I'm seeing both ends of it. And technology is just, it's a wave in our game. It's its one of those things. Now, here's the thing. Uh, you know, I coach, uh, you know, I know coaches that have like TrackMan and Rapsodo, and they have all these different things. And the bottom line for our program is we're not going to have the money. We, we don't have the money to have a TrackMan, Okay. So what we do is we how we utilize it, though. And if you came to one of our practices, you'll see zero technology used. There won't be a hit tracks. There won't be a blast system. And those are all good things, rap soto or anything like that. I mean, I'm not even sure if I'm saying that correctly. <laughs> I've just, But what we do is we go to places and we take a look. And this is what I've done. And, uh, okay, I, I see what they're measuring. And then I got to come back and I got to think, okay, how can I – how can I do that without these modern, with with this, you know, let's say hit tracks, for example, right? Well, I figured out a way, and I'll, I'll tell you this one, and it's, it's I'm, I'm one of these that, you know, in the Bible, the, the it's freely given, so you should freely give it away. Well, I kind of sometimes think the baseball way is the same way. As, uh, sometimes you get free information, you need to give it out, but for example, and I'm chasing a rabbit right there, so I apologize for that. But <laughs> what we'll do is on our on our turtle, uh, we put a net down, and we, and I figured out how far to put it down, to where now it's out front there a little bit. If our hitters hit it under that net, and the ball hits the outfield grass, their exit speed is going to be 90 plus, and their launch angle is going to be between 10 and 20. They, I don't want anything to hit the, the infield turf. So they got to hit it under the net into the outfield grass. If they do that, it's a line drive and it's going to be about, it's going to be 90 and it's going to be, and then here's the other thing too. I'm just with my eyes, I'm sitting there looking, that's a base hit. And I, I heard an old yeah. scout say, if a guy looks like he can hit BP and he's getting a lot of hits in BP, a lot of times they get a lot of hits in the game. So, so, so I measured that where that launch angle is going to be, you know, 10 to 20. And that exit speed is going to be 90. Now, last year we had three guys that could have hit it under the net 
and hit it out of the yard. That exit speed's 100, and that launch angle's still the same, 10 to 20, okay? Wow. Does that make sense? So I, all I did is, okay, I, I don't, I'm not going to be able to buy a hit track, but i tell you what I can do. I can roll this net down. If they hit it under that net and they hit it in the outfield grass, I know it's 90 and it's 10 to 20, and that's all the information I need, okay? And that's it. And then, you know, we look at, okay, on there's – and uh, we were – we looked at a guy that was able to tell a pitcher would throw a pitch. He'd throw a pitch and throw, and he'd say, okay, his his wrist angle or whatever is at 1 o'clock, and that one was at 12. And then we threw his changeup was at that 3, okay? So we go back and we figure out how to – and I, I think the way we're doing it and is, is that our pitchers actually feel – it's not information that, okay, that's where your hand was. They actually feel it while they're throwing a certain ball that we've created, okay? And so that's, that's how we use technology is we, we borrow it, we steal it off somebody else. Then we got to come back and figure out how, all right, how can we do this without having to buy a track man or a hit tracks or anything or anything like that. And, um, I think I'm blessed to have coach Harlan, uh, Nick Harlan, and then, uh, coach Cunningham, Justin Cunningham, cause they're geared the same way. And, uh, I'm telling you, we, I, I feel like we've come up with a couple of things kind of like spin rate. You know, uh, a lot of people talk, well, that's your, here's your spin rate. And then I've asked the question, well, how do you get it better? And I hadn't really got an answer. And mm -hmm. I read Mike Marshall's book that's free online. I think it's chapter 32 or 34. I think he wrote it probably 30 years ago. He's got a couple of ways in there that he's talking about how to increase spin rate. <laughs> so I'm mm -hmm. there, there it is free, you know. And so you, well, that's what we do. We just research and we try to find ways that can we create, how did we get, okay, the their their hand angle the same without having those machines how can we get the exit speed how can we get the launch angle and like i said i know without a doubt on that cage if it comes out of that cage and it hits outfield grass it's 90 and it's 10 to 20 and our pitchers know immediately on their where their wrist angle is because the ball is going to tell them where it's at the little uh, kind of a ball we've developed and different things like that that's how we use technology and it's as simple as as it can be and and i enjoy that more because I'm not saying it's bad. I think those guys that have those things, it's great. Uh, I just don't find it fun looking at a computer screen after a guy throws a pitch or hits a ball. That's not for me. I'm not saying it's like I said, I go back to that. Uh, everybody coaches the way that who they are. And I think they should, for me, that's not very much fun. Now, when I see a guy hit it off the wall under that net, I love it. Cause now we're on the field and uh, I see some of those guys, they have, they have it attached on the field on their scoreboard. And I'm, I mean, that's pretty neat right there, but that's how we use technology. And we have to here, you know, we're a mid-major school and we're trying to figure out all that stuff is important and all that technology is important. And we're trying to combine it with make sure we don't lose fundamentals, but how can we, and, and when they're hit, like how can we develop intent through those different things? And then, and you got to measure stuff. But I'm measuring stuff every time they take a cut or they throw a ball, and and, and they are too because they can feel it. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. okay. And, th and that's it. But if you came on our field and you watch our practice, you'll you'll never see any technology. You'll never see any video cameras. You'll never see any anything like that. We're just, but we're doing some different things that that I think are I, I think they're really really good. And our coaches come up with some really great stuff. And it's all to help those players. And I think we've got to use technology, but how we use it's a little bit different. We steal it off of guys, how they're using it, and we figure out how it's going to work for us with our budget, if that makes sense. Yeah, for some of those budgets, you got to be innovative and you got to be able to work with what you got. So uh, we appreciate you opening that up for us. Um, okay. as, you as you opened up earlier, uh, you made some pit stops. You've been an assistant coach at both the high school and college level, as well as head coach at both levels. Can you kind of open up what that transition was like uh, for you at each spot? Um, biggest thing you learned and then advice you'd give to coaches going through the same thing. Yeah. Just, uh, come, just, you know, you hear this a lot, just, just be who you are at the time and, uh, be in that present moment, you know, uh, and, and learn as much as you can and value the opportunity at every place you're at. When I was at Sheridan, I valued the opportunity there and learned a lot. When I transitioned to a head coach, I learned real quick. You know, I, th I was young and arrogant and thought, uh, you know, I was 
God's gift to the game of baseball when I was real young. I got my her- first head coaching job and it was high school. And it was a high school that won many state championships. I often, I, rem- I understand why I got that job now. Because the guy before me had won like, you know, four out of the last five state titles. <laughs> no one wanted that job. It was following a guy that, you know, that won. I was just, I was just dumb enough to take it. And, uh, but I learned real quick that if, you know, a mad is there's a big difference between when your name's at the top of the list. And, um, and I think I go back as, and then I went back as assistant coach. And so one thing I learned is when I was assistant coach, I was going to do everything I could to help the head coach make his job easier, be better. Uh, I, I had an understanding, you know, I got to, I got to be assistant coach, then a head coach. And then when I went back to be assistant coach, I was 20 to one better assistant coach, a hundred to one, because I now understood what the head coach was going through and his name was on, on the top of that thing. And I think young assistant coach, the best thing you can do, sometimes you may not agree with them. Sometimes there's, there's some things there, but he's the head coach. And if, if you want, if you don't like it, like I said, uh, football coach you say you guys don't like it get a baloney sandwich and a roadmap go find you another job and uh what i learned my second my second time as assistant is man i'm gonna i'm gonna help do the best i possibly can uh because i understand what i understood what they're going through and the stresses that head coach is going through but that when i went from assistant to a um to a head coach when i went from sheridan to batesville man i, I thought back on that and i said gosh i had a lot of in a sense, and I had some regrets that I wish and I should have done things a little bit better because I was chasing a head coaching job and, and doing that stuff, and, man, I could have done it better. So you just live and learn as far as that goes. And then the transition from going from high school now to Division two and there's a top Division two program, uh, you know, and that was, that was good. the biggest thing, I, and you probably hear this on a lot of your podcasts is, surround yourself with good people and good coaches. And when I was at Southern Arkansas University and I had Steve Browning and Justin Pettigrew with me and we woke up every day and we had the same vision and the same goal and we loved to win and we hated to lose. And, and those two guys right there, when, when we lost, it was, we lost, we were, you know what I'm saying? There was a feeling of that and it's just finding great and great coaches. And right now with Nick Harlan and Justin Cunningham, one of the best compliments I got about two weeks ago is a guy came in and said, Hey, what do you, what, Coach Gunn, what do you do around here? I told him, I said, Thank you. <laughs> I've learned, I've learned, and as a head coach, I've learned to trust our assistant coaches. They buy into our system. They, they're loyal as the day is long. It's just been great, you know, and find guys that, I mean, if I was hiring coaches now, I mean, you know, I want guys that are family oriented. We don't, like I said, it surprised you. You don't have to kill yourself on the road recruiting. You just got to be smart about how you do it. But the advice I'd give to assistant coaches is, man, you, there's kings and kingmakers. And when you're assistant coach, you're the kingmaker. Okay? You're you're not the king. You're the kingmaker. And when you're the head coach, you're not the kingmaker. You're the king. And it's just like our players. If our players understand their roles, the kingmakers understand this is who I am. I'm a kingmaker. And the kings understand who they are. I'm the king. And they take those roles and the responsibility of them. Things work, work really, really well. So just the advice I'd give, you know, like I said, working up. I've, I've been, like I said, I was fortunate to be assistant, head. And then that second time as assistant, I learned a lot of things. And like I said, I had a lot of regrets on, on my first time as assistant as far as just because I was chasing being a head coach. Does all that make sense? I don't know if I answered your question very well. No, yeah, yeah, yeah that was good. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's ending too, you kind of talked about that in your early years. When you look back on your coaching style and, you know, different things that you changed over the years, you know, what would you say some of those items were? And, you know, you look back at yourself and kind of laugh at yourself. Yeah. Oh, man, there's a lot of things I look back and go, what was I thinking? You know what I'm saying? I mean, just just go, like when I was at Southern Arkansas, we did the weight room too, and just I mean, what was I thinking? You know, and uh, and just this just the different thing, the way we went at things. Sometimes I look back on that, but you know, the the I think I think the place that I've grown the most is is I've really learned that um, 
and learning in the process. And, and, and I'll go back to, I don't know what I was saying earlier is my first three years at UCA, the first year was tough. We're trying to turn the culture around, but it, it was just about just getting it, getting the ship turned around and we got it going. And, um, man, life was great. We're a mid-major team and we're 25th in the nation, three games from Omaha, you know what I'm saying? And then, uh, I heard Matt Deck say this, there's guys that are going to be humbled that are humbled and those are going to be humbled. I, I got kicked in the gut after that year and for a couple of years. And, um, as, as far as that, and, and that, what I found myself doing is just, it was about winning only. And I didn't have good, as good of relationships. And I felt, I fell in that trap, if that makes sense. It was, it was kind of a trap. And uh, in the last couple of years, and like I said, because of uh, just having great assistant coaches and everything like that, the biggest thing I've learned is, man, I, I need these players. I need them more than they need me. And uh, I, I, I want to develop those relationships because we talk about a lot. I want to develop those relationships. Things I've learned, too, last couple of years is, is that we can do this. And, and, I, and here's the other thing I, I have. I have a 21-year-old and I have an 11-year-old. And my 21-year-old, when I was, we were blown and going at Southern Arkansas and had, was doing great, I missed a lot of his stuff. Well, guess what? I get, I get it like being assistant coach again. I get another, here comes 11. I've got 11 year old now. I'm not missing the stuff. And so what that's forced me to do is not, you know, cause there's that pride part of I'm going to outwork everybody. Okay. And, uh, we're, we work extremely hard here. There's no question about that. No question about that. But man, we work a lot smarter and man, we're, and the thing I've learned the most is when I'm right with my family better, I'm right with my players better. And uh, they see that, and they're not, our players, kids. Our players are not; they're not dumb. They they see what's going on. They're going to see if you're in that. And I think all those things weigh in. And that's those are the things for the last couple of years. And I like I said, once again, I want to thank our assistant coaches because we're all in there. Iron sharpens iron, and we're we're working on each other constantly. But we're going to make sure uh, if we're good with our family, we're going to be better with our players. And I'm really learning to to value the relationships and, uh, and the wins are great. There's no question about that, but they're, uh, and you know, there's, here's the thing I look at too. And I guess what I'm learning and like I said, a lot of stuff going on here right now and um, is invest in people, invest in your players, invest in them. And cause they're the only thing that's going to last forever. Nothing else will. And it does, you know, we talk about this and coaches talk about it all the time. And I used to talk about it, but I'm finally getting at that point where our actions are lining up with what we're saying. And uh, that makes you wake up and feel good about yourself every single day and our relationships with our players. And I think that's what it is. And that's what we're after as far as that. And that's how I've grown as far as different things like that. And it's just, uh, you know, we're working hard and everything like that. But it's, it's like I said, at the end of the day, it's, is, uh, did we help a player and develop them and do they, do we really care about them or are we just pushing to try to get more wins? Does all that make sense? Yep. No, yeah, that's okay. the common, the common response we get. And for that question and coach, we have a lot of young coaches, uh, aspiring young coaches that listen into the show that hope to be in your seat one day. And when you look back and reflect to the young coach gum, you know, your first year, year or two in this coaching gig, um, what's the biggest piece of advice you'd give to the young man? Like, like, well, like I said, uh, biggest piece of advice is absolutely do not neglect your family. If I can give you, and like I said, my opinion in dollar fifty, you can get a soda with it. That's about it sometimes. <laughs> but you come to work. That's what we do here. If you come to work here, coach, we're gonna listen. We're not gonna neglect our family. And and I tell young coaches, and I see that a lot, is do not neglect your family. And uh, just what you have to work hard at is working harder at being smarter at what you do. If that make does that make sense? And uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't. My first few years of coaching, I was just blowing it. I was on the road constantly. But the best advice I give is do not neglect uh, your family. If you're assistant coach on the way up, just just trust me on this. You're the king maker, and you make that head coach the king in every avenue 
And uh, if you'll do that, things will work out for you, no doubt. And that's that's some of the, I guess that's advice I'd give as as far as that goes. And, and be a constant learner. And uh, don't ever stop learning. I'm, I'm, we constantly, I think here, one of the things we have is we our young coaches here, we're constant learners. And uh, I call it being a brand. And in the Bible, it says the brands were more noble than the people at Thessalonica because they studied the word daily to see if they were true. That didn't mean they accepted it immediately, but it didn't mean doesn't mean they didn't disregard it either. So you get so you study to see if the things that some of these people are saying are true and you work them and see if that fits what you're trying to do. But be a constant learner and have an open mind. And uh, because there's so much good stuff out there now. As a matter of fact, it can be overwhelming, but just be diligent in your studies and how it works, not just for uh, how it's going to work for each kid, but also how it works for the team component also. And uh, But just always have your head coaches back, and uh, like I said, even if you don't agree with them. Well, yeah, not, uh, it's awesome because you kind of walked into my next uh, question I had here for you. Is I wanted, to, wanted you to kind of open up what's been your best uh, resource to develop yourself as a coach. Uh, 100% best resource. I have sits on my desk and it's in, or there's one in my car and there's one at my house and that's the Bible. Uh, there, there's even if you're not a Christian person, the lessons that are in, I mean, cause it's telling you read second Timothy four, seven, fight, fight the good fight, finish your course, keep the faith. And there's so many passages in there about persevering. There's so many in there about faith and love and how to treat people. I mean, you can't, it's the thing and here's the thing that i believe is the only absolute truth is in the bible so that's the that's the best source for me and then when you you know go past that then then you look at the the like what you guys are doing right here uh with podcasts and learning from and i love listening to old coaches and i love i love learning listen to young coaches and what's helped that as far as that goes is is listen to both of them and uh because some of those new coaches come up with some good stuff, and, but those old coaches have seen it a lot and just learn from podcasts and different things like that or books or reading different things like that. But my, my number one source, though, is going to be in the Bible because it, it'll hit you in there, how to be a better person and how to treat people and how to have person. And it's not a it's not a weak book. It's not. It's not. It, it teaches you how to be a strong man and how to have character and different things like that. Yeah, with Joey and I talking openly about our faith on the podcast, we appreciate you opening up the importance that the good word has on your development. And um, not only that, you shared such great advice and insight um, for that question, but also throughout the entire interview, you know, providing audio nuggets and takeaways for our listeners throughout. And um, if any of those coaches listening in want to contact you about anything that we've covered today, what's the best way for them to do that? The, the best way, and I don't mind at all, the best way is going to be to uh, shoot me a text. Uh, shoot me a text first, and then uh, then I'll if you need me to call if you uh, if if you call me. Uh, sometimes I don't recognize the number. I got to wait a little bit because usually I get something about my insurance on my truck or something. <laughs> so it's one of those deals. <laughs> email uh, email I get flooded with all sorts of stuff, and I might miss it. But it, feel free to coaches feel free to text me. My number is five zero one. Four nine nine, one seven zero seven, and shoot me a text, and then then we can go from there. Then I know, okay, and then just tell me who you are, and and if you have any questions or anything like that, no problem at all with that. That's the best way to get in touch with me. I don't have email on my phone, I don't have Twitter, I don't have any of that stuff. But if you text me, we can and we can have some good dialogues. And I do with several coaches that it is, and and when I have that time, I love it. So and I enjoy talking baseball or talking. Yeah, there are two things. I love I love talking about uh, Jesus Christ, and I love talking about baseball, and I love talking about my family. So any of those categories, I, I'd, I'd really enjoy it. Well, Coach, we appreciate it. Thank you so much for uh, taking some time to give back to the game and, uh, you know, pushing the game along and also, you know, Bo and I as well. So we appreciate it again for your time. No, thank you. No, thank you. I, I really enjoyed this time. Thanks, Coach. So awesome to get Coach Gum on and pick his brain for a little bit. This call takeaway is brought to you by Quality at Bats. Don't forget to visit qualityatbats.com to further your mental approach to the game. Yeah, man, it was great to get Coach on the show. What was your biggest call takeaway? 
Uh, I think my biggest call takeaway, um, and it might be yours, sorry if I take it, Bo, but yeah, when he talked about how he utilized, um, you know, where how he manipulated his practices without technology, but also still in a way using technology, understanding what technology is telling him um, and what are the best ways and best ways to train uh, to produce these most positive results in the game and still being open-minded to what technology has to offer, um, but being aware that, you know, with his program, you know, obviously with some funding, there's some tight issues there. Um, it's, it's a great idea and, a, you know, great way to open, you know, some of the minds in the game up to different ways of utilizing technology, even if you don't have that exact resource. But um, how about you, Bo? Yeah, man, you did take mine, but I'm just going to reiterate it anyways. Um, you know, it, it hits home for some coaches, hits us in the gut. You know, we can manipulate and be innovative to utilize and steal information from other coaches. Um, you know, I loved how we talked about how they utilize their resources there to get the most out of their guys. And and at the end of the day, Joey, as coaches, that's all we are, is just per, uh, professional thieves. So um, don't uh, shy away from that and um, make sure you guys are utilizing the information out there to get the most out of your players. Absolutely. And guys, uh, you know, with that being said, again, uh, great, great chances to, again, look into resources, stuff that we have on our pages. You know, again, a lot of these coaches, we have some big things here uh, coming forward, uh, going into the new year and some things we'll be able to offer you guys and um, continue to push those resources and continue to try, you know, as best as we can uh, to facilitate pushing the game forward. Um, and all those things, you know, it, it's not just about us. It's about you guys. And, um, you know, and with that being said, we, we, if we, we need the perspective of what you guys have, what are things that we can do to help? What are resources you wish you had your hands on? Um, what are ways that we can help you with technology? Um, anything like that. All those questions are great things that we need to know from you guys, from your perspectives. Let us know how we can help, how we can get you in touch with more people. Um, and as always from us and our partners over at Rapsodo until next time, farm system out. Ah.